0: Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us online today. As always, it is an honor to have each of you join with us here at Rethink Life Church. And uh, I just want to say that uh, today, as we begin our message, I want to personally just hear from you. I'd love to ask you if you would to send me a DM or even text me uh, there on the number of your screen. And the reason why is because I want to know what's on your heart. I want to know how you're feeling, I want to know how you're doing, I want to know really what I can do to pray with you and for you and really have our whole entire prayer team uh, stand with you and stand with all of us during these unprecedented times that are facing our nation today. And so if you'll just take a moment, fill out the form and make sure you send it right back to us. That'll help us know specifically how we can pray for you. And also maybe send us a praise report. We always are encouraged when we see God working and answering prayer. So whether it's a praise report or a prayer request, uh, DM me or text that number there on On the screen. I'd love to hear from you so we can pray with you and encourage you and support you and stand with you in prayer. And by the way, last week, if you didn't have the opportunity to hear my wife Michelle's message on the subject of encouragement, Man, you need to go back and hear it. It was powerful. You know, we're in this series called Stay Optimistic, and she brought a powerful, powerful message on the subject of the nourishment of encouragement. Man, if there was ever time we needed the nourishment of encouragement, it is right now. So I encourage you to watch that. Make sure you share that with friends and family who just need to be encouraged during these very discouraging times. So with that in mind, uh, I want to begin today with really just addressing the subject matter that is on everybody's minds. It is literally dominating, consuming the media. And so it's, it's the subject of racism. And, um, and just to be quite honest with you, I have struggled even in the preparation of this message. Uh, in fact, I even changed messages because of all that has happened with the recent death Uh, the unjust death, may I add, of George Floyd. And we've all seen it. The whole world was watching. And it was a very uh, difficult thing to watch. And it has obviously sparked outrage. um, And from the outrage and the anger of the unjust death that he suffered and endured. And obviously, he's not the only one. But the point of the matter is, is that as a nation, we are... I think perhaps more fractured and divided. I think people now more than ever are hurt. They're confused. They're angry. Just the wide range of emotions that, quite frankly, we haven't felt. in. in, in I don't think really with the intensity and the magnitude that we're feeling right now, especially right here on the, on the, on the, on the tail or on the heels of COVID-19. And we were already just overwhelmed by that. And so, in light of what has happened over the past week, I just really felt God was leading me today to address a very difficult, very sensitive, a highly sensitive message, but one that is timely and very much needed. We can't ignore it. We can't just sweep it under the rug. And quite frankly, as a pastor and as a leader, it is my right, it is my obligation, it is my responsibility from God to address this issue head on. But before I do, I want to ask you to pray with me because if there was ever time we needed a divine intervention from God, it is now. And we need, listen, we need prayer now more than ever. But we need the touch of God. We need the healing of God to heal our land. And that's what Second Chronicles 7 14 really just compels us to do. It is to call upon God. In fact, God told King Solomon after he had built the temple and he's getting ready to dedicate and consecrate the temple. Here's what God told him. He said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And so now more than ever, listen, we need to turn our hearts toward God. We need to turn away from the things of this world. We need to admit, confess. We need to come clean with whatever it is that we're holding in our hearts. We need more than ever the divine healing that only God can give. We need his peace to bring calmness to the chaos. To our nation. And so, would you join me in a quick word of prayer as we call upon the Lord today? Father, I just ask in Jesus' name, God, that you would bring healing to our land. God, that you would bring peace in the midst of the chaos and the confusion and the hurt and um, the sense of loss and mourning and grief that so many people in our country and really our world is facing for that matter. God, we know. The Lord, we need you more than ever. We need to seek you. We need to turn to you. God, we're crying out to you, Father. Today, we ask for your intervention. We ask, God, that you would show up. God, we know that you're the only hope. You're the only answer. You You are the only solution that can bring about the change, the the changed lives, the heart change in people's lives today. So, Father, we ask that you would bring healing and restoration and reconciliation to our world. We pray this. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, today I want to talk with you about the subject of how we can root out racism. And I know, once again, this is, um, in many ways, a very difficult topic to address. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me and pray for me. As I do the best I can, and honestly, I may not even get it right, but with God's help, I'm going to just simply share with what I believe the Bible teaches about this very important topic. And so the Bible says it this way in in the book of Titus, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Man, you ought to just get something to write with there and circle there in your Bible to all people. In other words, the saving grace of God, the saving grace is for the entire human race. Let me repeat that. The grace of God, the saving grace of God is for the entire human race. So with that in mind, listen, there's no partiality in that. There's no favoritism in that. The bottom line is, is that God made us so he could love us. God created us. He wants a relationship with us. Let me tell you something. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Doesn't matter what our skin color is. Doesn't matter what our background is. Doesn't matter where, what culture or you know, what, what our story might be. At the end of the day, God made us so he could love us and so he could be in relationship with us. God's saving grace is for the human being race. And so God has never met a person. God has never made a person that he does not love. God has never made a person that he does not want with him in heaven. God has never made a person that he does not have a purpose for, for their life to fulfill. God has never made a person that Jesus did not die for. Listen, race is God's idea. And that's why when God says I love every shape, every 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 size, every color, every background, is because God says I'm the one who created race. And so race is God's idea. In fact, in Second Chronicles 19 verse 7, it says these words: "Fear the Lord and judge with integrity, for the Lord our God does not tolerate perverted justice." Partiality or the taking of bribes. Now, if you want to know what angers God, if you want to know, to put it in street language, what ticks him off, is this whole issue. In fact, those three things I just mentioned, and that is the whole issue of perverted justice, partiality, and the taking of bribes. Now, most of us probably already know what it means to the taking of bribes, but what about the other two? In other words, what does it mean when it, when, it, when it is addressing perverted justice? Well, let me explain that to you. You see, God is a just God, and not only is he a just God, but the word justice and righteousness are used one and the same in the Bible. In other words, when we think about righteousness, listen, we are to be righteous and to be just. To be righteous is to be just. So fairness means fairness for all people, not just a few, not just for those who, you know, are favored. No, justice is for all people. But God hates injustice. He, he hates the perverted justice. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that. When we witness the tragic and unfortunate um, death of George Floyd, you know, in recent days there on television, if you saw the video footage... When we saw that, there was something that welled up within us. And what it was is an unjust murder. It was an unjust act that we literally witnessed before our very own eyes. And it breaks the heart of God. And the reason why that's so important is because God is a God of righteousness. He's a God of justice. And so therefore, when something is in, when, when, when a person experiences injustice, it not only breaks the heart of God, but it ought to break the heart of every one of us. Why? Because we want fairness and we need fairness. We need justice. But on the flip side of all that, you know, one of the things that's disturbing is that you also see on television, you know, the aftermath of everything that took place after um, his death, you see, you know, rioting and you see, you know, the looting, you see the damage, the personal damage that's done, you know, in personal businesses, you know, people were breaking in and stealing things and taking things. You know, there was, there was people, there were people being arrested. And here are these people who are being arrested for, for, you know, stealing and for robbing. They're literally arrested. And then they're taken to jail and then less than 24 hours, they're back on the street doing the same thing. That's called perverted judgment justice. And so God does not tolerate it. Now, there's another thing in that same verse that we need to address, and that is also the issue of partiality. Now, what is partiality? It's an old English word known as racism. Let me put it to you this way. It's an, it's an old English word for prejudice. Partiality means when you treat one group of people better than another group, and God says, I don't like it. Why? Because God is a just God. He's a fair God and he wants everyone to be treated equally. And so with that in mind, this whole issue of racism is very complex. It's complicated. And as I stated a few moments ago, there's a probably a good chance I may not even get some of this right, but I'm going to pray that today God will take his words through the Bible and he'll show us and he'll teach us some things that I think he wants us to know and to understand. So at the end of the day, what is the solution? Well, I believe with all of my heart, what the solution is, is we need to be reconcilers. Did you know that if we are followers of Jesus, God has actually called us to the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, you have a sinful man over here. You have a holy God over here. And God has called us You have Jesus who is the mediator. He's the one who brings both God and man together. But what you got to understand is that the part that we play is to help bring people to Jesus. God wants us to be bridge builders. God wants us to be reconcilers. He wants us to be peacemakers so that we can be in right standing with God and we can be in right standing with one another. You cannot be, listen, you cannot be right with God and be at odds with your brothers and sisters. And to be right with God is also to be right with one another. And so rather than, you know, living in division and living in strife, listen, we need to be unified. We need to be bridge builders. We need to be peacemakers and we need to be reconcil- reconcilers. And that's what's at the heart of of God. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, peacemakers for they are the children. They will be called the children of God. So why does God hate prejudice? Why does God hate racism? Well, there are four things that I want to share with you quickly. And the first, if you take a is this. And that is because racial prejudice questions God's creation. This is so important. Listen, race matters because God is the one who created race. You see, God is the one who initiated it. Listen, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for God. And so it doesn't matter what skin color you are. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what your background is. Listen, if you are alive, God made you you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are God's masterpiece, his handiwork. Listen, we are we are a part of God's fingerprint. He has placed his ID on us. We are a part of God's beautiful creation. And with that in mind, when we are prejudice, when we look down upon someone, when we treat someone unfairly, when we are unjust to someone else, it breaks the heart of God. It questions God's creation. And so if we say that race isn't important to us, then basically what we're saying is, is that, you know, what God created, mankind, God's creation is not necessarily important to us. And so we have to understand, once again, that it is God's idea. He created race. He created the human race. And as Acts chapter 17, verse 26 says, God began by making one person, being Adam, and from him came all the different people who live everywhere in the world. God decided exactly when and where they must live. So we didn't choose human race. No, God chose human race we didn't choose when or where people would be born or where they would live. We didn't choose, you know, who our parents would be. We didn't choose what skin color we would have. No, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. We are all created uniquely. God loves variety and God created the human race to be uniquely different because he loves variety. He's a creative God. And each of us are made in His very in His very image. We are all created equal in the image of God. The second thing is this racial prejudice is a sign of ignorance. So it means that that when I'm when I'm when I'm using a sense of prejudice towards someone else, if I have an attitude of prejudice towards someone else. In essence, it doesn't, it, it's a poor reflection of me because it simply means that I don't understand really what I'm talking about. In other words, anytime I make a prejudiced statement, I'm revealing my own foolishness. It means that I don't understand God's greater plan or His purpose. And I don't understand other people, God's people, that are different from me. And here's what I've learned. I've learned in nearly 30 years of ministry that most people, they criticize what they don't understand. So it's only human nature. If we don't understand someone else, if, if, if we're uncomfortable with other people because maybe they're different than us, then we have a tendency, we're prone because oftentimes right here, this, the sinful condition of our heart, which is tainted and twisted and perverted, we have a tendency to naturally criticize something that we don't understand. In other words, people become down on what they're not up on. You may have heard that expression or phrase used before, and so one of the things that I appreciate about the younger generation that is that is being used right now, I love their passion. I love, you know, what they are committed to. I love the fact that they are that they are um, dedicated to to, to fulfill um, you know causes and to see change take place. But here's what somebody said recently that I I thought was so powerful. And that is those of us who have maybe seen things and maybe we've been led to understand things through our own personal understanding and experiences in life, rather than criticizing the younger generation, we need to coach the younger generation so we can harness that passion to fulfill God's greater plan and purpose to advance His gospel message to all people all places, so that His grace can impact the human race. In, in James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, it says, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, it is also peace loving, gentle at, at all times, and willing to yield to others. <clears throat> it is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Man, that's so good and it's so powerful. You see, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. You see, knowledge is good. It's, you know, it's information that you can gain. Knowledge comes in handy when you're taking a test, right? But where does wisdom come from? Wisdom comes from God. Notice what the scripture says in 1 John 2, 11, but anyone who hates his fellow brother is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. You probably have heard the expression, the blind leading the blind. What's because people are aimless and they're meaningless and they're directionless in their life? Well, they can have They can have intellectualism, they can have a lot of knowledge, but what they're really lacking is wisdom. And guess what? Wisdom shows up best when it comes to our relationships with one another. Because we draw wisdom from one another when we learn and when we understand one another that ultimately pleases God. So the four things that we're addressing today when it comes to why God hates racial prejudice, number one, is because racial prejudice questions God's creation. Number two, racial prejudice is a sign of ignorance. Number three, racial prejudice disobeys the great commandment. We all know the great commandment. You see it in the Old Testament. Moses gave it there in, um, you know, Deuteronomy. And then, of course, it's echoed again in the New Testament where Jesus reinforced the, the great commandment. What is it? It is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. But then it also says, and the second is equally important, and that is what? To love your neighbor as yourself. One of the stories I'm sure you're familiar with in the Bible is known as the Great, is, is the Good Samaritan. And we know the story, a, a man who was walking down a road, he was jumped, he was robbed, he was beaten and left for dead. And then there was a man who came walking, He saw the man, and rather than walking by and ignoring the situation this good Samaritan decided to reach down to to help the man. And ultimately he, he took him to an inn and he paid for the man's, basically his hotel room. He took care of him. He told the innkeeper, hey, if there's any other expenses, you know, let him stay here until he gets well. Well, Jesus is telling this story to a lot of religious leaders. He's speaking to a Jewish audience well, Samaritans were despised. There was a lot of racial um, disharmony. There was a lot of, there was a conflict and there was a lot of animosity towards, you know, the Samaritans and the Jews. And yet Jesus asked these Jewish religious scholars the question, hey, when it comes to the great commandment and if we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, who is the better neighbor? Who was the good neighbor in that story? And of course, they all kind of sheepishly, you know, admitted, that, yeah, it was the, it was the Samaritan. And Jesus basically say, hey, that's what we need to do. That's how we need to treat people. No matter where they're from, what color skin they have, no matter what nationality are, no matter what their background is, at the end of the day, we must treat one another with honor and respect the way that God intended. The scripture says it this way in Galatians 5, verses 14 and 15. For love completes the laws of God. All of the law can be summarized in one grand statement. Demonstrate love to your neighbor, even as you care for care for and love yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like a wild beast trying to destroy one another. Wow, what a powerful verse of scripture. The fourth reason why God hates racial prejudice is this, and that is racial prejudice is a serious sin. Listen, When it comes to this whole issue of race, it is not a skin issue. It is a sin issue. We've got to get that right. We've got to understand it. It is an issue of the heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. In other words, it's so bad we can't even understand it, Jeremiah says. And here's what the Bible says in in James chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Your calling is to fulfill the royal law of love as given to us in the scripture. You must love and value your neighbor as you love and value yourself. For keeping this law is the noble way to live. But when you show prejudice, you commit sin and you violate this royal law of love. I tell you something, sadly, in our culture and our society today, we have been conditioned, we have been conditioned to judge people, to evaluate people, often just by the color of their skin, or maybe because they're a different nationality, or because they're different from us. And that's wrong. In other words, what we have to understand is that, listen, You cannot make a judgment. You cannot be accurate when it comes to understanding and knowing somebody by some first impression you get. You've heard the expression, you can't judge a book by the cover. No, it is impossible for you to know the heart. You don't know the character. You don't know the intentions. You do not know a person until you get to know that person. And so here's the thing that we've got to understand. Listen, when it comes to this whole issue of racism, the Bible says that we will be judged when we stand before God and we will give an account for the prejudices in our own hearts and lives. So the question is, how do we root out racism from our lives? How do we root out racism from our country and from our society and ultimately the world for that matter? You know, there's a lot that needs to happen, and I'm just going to share with you something before we wrap up our time together that I think needs to happen. You know, we look to government, and we, you know, we look to legislation, and we look to the laws, and we look to the policies, and and do we need you know legislation, and and, and do we need um, reform, and and do we need to rewrite the laws, and do we need to you know to renew policies and set forth new guidelines and law absolutely to protect those who have been wrongfully treated, for those who have been treated unjustly. But here's what you need to understand. The laws of this land, the legislation of this land, cannot change the human heart. Are they needed? Yes. But what's more important is this. You cannot, listen, you, the laws of this land can't take a bigot and turn a bigot into a lover. Only God can do that. Listen, we need reform, but what we need, we need even more is transformation of the heart. And only God can transform people's hearts and people's lives. And so with that in mind, here's what I want us to do as we wrap up our time. Number one is this. Here are three things that I think we can do to root out racism once and for all. And that is we must see God. We must see people as God does. We must see people as God does. In other words, it all starts with how we actually see people, how we look at people. And we need to ask God to help us see people the way he sees them. First Samuel 16, verse seven, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's interesting, you know, when, um, you know, they were looking for a replacement, they were looking for, you know, for a new king, if you will, to, to, you know, to be the king of Israel. And during this time, you know, they were trying to parade all of these prospects, you know, before, you know, Samuel, before the king. and, And what happened? Well, people were judging based on the outward appearance, but what God was looking for was something far greater. And that was the condition and the character of the person's heart. And so we have to get beyond the physical aspect. We gotta get beyond the outward, you know, stereotypes. And what we've gotta focus on is seeing people the way God sees people. Listen, God sees people as one of his very own, his precious children. whom he made, who he created. And listen, he created all of us in his image. We are created equal in the eyes of God. And so the second thing that I think is so vitally important is this. We must listen to everyone with respect. So we not only need to see people the way God sees people, but we need to listen to everyone with respect. At the end of the day, you know what prejudice is or prejudiceism is? Listen, it is a failure to listen and understand. You see, the less I listen, the more prejudiced I become because I begin to form opinions, I begin to form stereotypes, I begin to, 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 to formulate in my mind certain prejudices that are not right, they're inaccurate, and they do not honor God. James tells it like this in James 1, verses 19 through 20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Why? Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. You know what happens when you get angry? Here's what it does. It blocks listening. You cannot hear, you cannot listen to other people when you're angry. And if you're married, if you've been married for, you know, more than an hour, (laughs) trust me, you know, when you have a heated argument, when you have a disagreement and, you know, the the volume gets louder and louder, you cannot listen. Why? Because when anger takes over, you can't really hear what someone is trying to say. And that's the reason why we got to talk less That's why God gave us one mouth and, Two ears, we got to remember that. And God wants us to talk less so we can listen more. Now I think right now, what we need more than anything is we all need to come to the table and we just need to listen to one another. You know, in the last uh, few days, as we have been in this, um, you know, just turmoil and in and, and, and unprecedented time, as we've been processing everything that's been going on since this unfortunate um, tragedy that has happened in our society. I believe now more than ever, we need to sit down with our um, African-American friends. And more than anything, what we need to do is we need to hear their hearts. We need to hear from other minority groups who have been treated unfairly and unjustly. We need to understand how they feel. We need to enter into the world. We need to truly understand their background. We need to understand what hurts them. We need to understand what it is that they need and what they want and what they desire. We all need to get on the same page so that we can be one. We can be unified. That's what a reconciler does. A reconciler is a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. A reconciler is a bridge builder, and so rather than tearing down bridges, we need to build bridges. And the only way we can do that is by listening to one another. In Galatians, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the third thing, let me, let me just wrap this up by saying this, the third thing is this. We must love everybody the way Jesus does. We need to love everybody the way Jesus does. In John 15, 12, it says it this way. This is my commandment, Jesus said, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. You know what God's plan is for his people? When I say his people, I'm talking about you and me. I'm talking about his creation. Doesn't matter what color you are, where you're from, which your background is, you know, what, listen, what people group you represent, doesn't matter. You're all, you're all God's people. You're God's, listen, you are God's creation. And the big question is, is do we have a relationship with God? Do we know him in a real personal way. And here's the thing we need to understand. We can never genuinely and truly and unconditionally and sacrificially love other people until we truly understand how much God loves us. It's impossible to love other people in the way that God desires for us to until we understand just how much he loves us. And you know, What God desires, one of the ways that God desires for us to settle this issue of racism once and for all, to root out racism once and for all, is for all of us to come together in what he refers to as his church. You know why? Because the church is made up of people. The church is made up of a family. We are brothers and sisters in God's eyes, we are a spiritual body of people. We are a spiritual family. And here's the thing, when we come together, we we basically come together and we formulate a beautiful kaleidoscope of variety. We all have different skill sets. We all have different gifts and talents. We all have different backgrounds. We bring br- different perspectives and different experiences. We bring all of these unique characteristics to a spiritual family, which makes up the body of Christ, the church. And here's the beauty of it is. The beauty of it is, is that we don't get our identity based on our skin color. We don't get our identity based on what our background is. We don't get our identity based on what we did. We don't get our, ba- our, our identity based on who our parents were. We don't get our identity, listen, on anything other than the fact of that our identity is in Christ. And here's what the Bible says in Galatians 3, verses 26 through 28. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. And there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, there is unity in community, and that's where God wants us to be. He wants us to be unified in a sense of community with one another because that's God's plan. That's God's purpose. So let's get rid of the division. Let's get rid of the strife. Let's get rid of the misunderstandings. Let's get rid of the prejudices. Let's get rid of the unfair, unjust treatment toward one another Let's get rid of all that. Why? Because it breaks the heart of God. God is a just God and God despises. He doesn't tolerate, listen, injustice. God wants righteousness. He wants fairness and he wants justice and he wants it for all people. And when we understand that and we work towards that and rather than finding ways to to disagree doesn't mean you have to agree with everything and everybody. We can agree to disagree. There are certain things that we don't necessarily have to embrace or have to agree with. That's okay, we all are gonna have different opinions about certain things, but at the end of the day, we can honor one another, we can treat one another with dignity and respect, and we can show people the kind of love that God showed you and me, the sacrificial love that He demonstrated when he gave his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross. The G- Listen, the Bible says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. That includes you and me. It has nothing to do with our background or our race. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's what God wants. And he wants us to begin here. He wants his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And it begins in your heart and in my life and in my heart. And it comes into a relationship. And that relationship is with our maker. So when we get right with God, we can get right with one another. And so today I want to invite you right where you are just to join me in a word of prayer. And as we bow our heads and we close our eyes for just a moment, I just want to ask you to search your heart. You know, you may be a believer, you may be a follower of Jesus, maybe you've already put your faith in Jesus Christ, but maybe you have felt uncomfortable in some areas of your life. Maybe you've held to some stereotypes. Maybe there have been some ill feelings. Maybe there have been some prejudices that you've been guilty of in your own heart. And today, I would encourage you to confess it. I would encourage you to even admit, maybe to a friend, Maybe you have someone who is in a minority group. Maybe you have a a, a black friend who maybe if, if, you know, maybe it's just going to them and saying, hey, I need your forgiveness. And I want to better understand how we can love one another better and how we can demonstrate God's plan and purpose with one another. And I want to encourage you just to pray right now. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to Wipe away anything that's in your heart that's holding you back from being in right standing with God and right standing with someone else. But maybe you're here today and you're seeking and you're searching and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I don't even know where to start, but I just know that God needs to change my heart. I just know that I need God in my life. Let me tell you something. If that's your need, then the greatest single thing you could do is to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And I want to invite you to pray this prayer right now in your heart. Just say something like this. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner and I turn from my sin. And Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me, to save me, and to change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Now, listen, if you just prayed that prayer just then, I want you to know you just made life's greatest decision. In other words, you just chose where you're going to spend your forever. And that's a home called heaven. And we want to celebrate that. And I personally would love to know that you just prayed that prayer with me. And if you did, please text me. Listen, text that number there on the screen or DM me right now. Just take a moment, get your phone or whatever. Just DM me, text me. And here's what I want to do. I want to send you a little booklet. If you'll fill out the little form, let us know you prayed that prayer. I'll send you a little booklet. It's a, it's a quick download, a little digital download. And it's a little booklet we put together called Rethinking Life Every Day. And it will get to you and it will help answer spiritual questions you have. It will outline some next steps in your faith journey. It's a little 30-day reading plan. But I promise you, it will help you get your life moving in the right direction. Listen, we can do this. Listen, we can root out racism. We can see, I believe, an awakening in our country. And I believe God is using all of this. He's stirring up something that he's going to use. He's, listen, what the enemy meant for evil, trust me, God is going to turn it around for the greater good. That's why we can stay optimistic. And so I want to encourage you, share this message with your friends, and let's do it together. Let's make a difference Let's advance God's purposes for His glory. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.